Welcome everyone to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 183 here. We're a bit late. Uh, we skipped last week, but we're back. And I'm joined this week by... Remote. Right. You know, some weeks I'm Remo. Some weeks I'm Remote. Other weeks I'm Omer. You know, I, I just can't decide on what to call myself these days. I'm having an identity crisis, Altai. Man of many masks. What do you think, Altai? Do I go with Remote or Remo? What's your What's your preferred? Out of those two, Remo. Okay. That, that, that's a preferred noun. It's just shorter. You know, one, All right. We'll go with Remo. All right. Well, with that said, we have uh, two weeks of uh, stories to cover since we Ooh. skipped out on last week. And uh, we finally have a weekly raid once again because uh, something exciting happened, uh, at least recently, this month. And that is Apex Legends. Uh, came out of nowhere. Perhaps we talked about it a while back. But this yeah. game is blowing up, boys. It is. Uh, I thought, I thought like... Battle Royale kind of was at, at its peak, you know? But now we got Apex Legends, and within one week, seven days of releasing, it hit two million concurrent players. Two mil- that is insane. Now, it's not quite as high as PUBG's, you know, uh, peak concurrent from like two years from last year, which was 3.2 million. It's- well, what? Well, oh, yeah, PUBG's, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then uh, Fortnite had about 8.5 million concurrent. But mm-hmm. the thing about Apex is it got there much quicker. It got to two million much quicker than the previous two. And if it keeps this momentum up, I suspect it will pass PUBG's uh, former peak uh, this month, at the end of this month. What do you think? Uh, definitely. I mean, it's on an amazing course so far. And it really, like, I've played a lot of PUBG. I play a decent amount of Fortnite. I've played Realm Royale. I've played a lot of these random Battle Royale games quite a bit. And I'm enjoying um, Apex Legends a lot. And there's a lot of stark differences between Apex Legends and other uh, Battle Royale games. No need to rehash them, but um, it does things a lot different. Playing this again reminded me of why Battle Royale games are so successful. Because uh, as I played Apex Legends, I thought to myself, why am I not playing Overwatch? Why am I not playing Counter-Strike? Why am I, at this moment, why am I playing Apex Legends? And I realized that because every round of Apex Legends is, is ever so slightly different. And I noticed myself fighting in different parts of the map, whether it's, uh, you know, it applies obviously Fortnite and PUBG as well. You're always fighting in different angles. You have different loot. You have different like set of like, circumstances every single time. And that keeps the game a bit fresh. And it's one of the few games you can sit down and play for like three, four hours and not get burnt out of it right away. Like I actually can't imagine myself playing Overwatch again. I mean, Overwatch is by no means a bad game. I've played at least, you know, at least 150, 200, 300 hours of Overwatch, but I can't see myself playing it anymore. I- I'm totally done with it. I've played every map in Overwatch so many times and basically every round of overwatch and obviously i'm no pro player i've gone to like 3200 something sr uh every round of overwatch feels the same when i'm you know you're basically camping the same chokes every single time i can't tell you how many times i've aimed down certain pathways in overwatch it's the same thing like in you know in route 66 those same choke holes you have it's essentially the same nonsense over and over again and i like i'm so done with it Whereas you know, in any battle royale game, you're always approaching different, different like situations, you know, slightly differently. Whether you have a full squad, two people, one person, and it keeps things fresh. And I think that's what's very important in gaming that you have to be able to keep the experience different. And I feel like a lot of shooters really can't do that. And that's the reason why a lot of shooters are basically like once a year franchises. That's why that's why there's a new Call of Duty game every year. That's why like no shooter ever maintains like super popularity over a long time. They, I think CS:GO was one of the only successful ones, but most shooting games are really like yearly franchises. And even Battlefield, like, doesn't really, you know, a new one comes out every few years, you know? Like, yep. 
I, but Battle Royale games do feel different. And I do think like games like Fortnite do have a lot of staying power. And I think Apex Legends, when they keep adding more heroes, it's combining the best elements of Overwatch with hero shooting elements with the with the different gameplay of the Battle Royale. I mean, the Battle Royale itself is, is so simple. The concept is not, it's not really that different or unique, but it's that it creates so many different circumstances where you can have fights that you've never had before. You, you spend 200 hours in PUBG, 200 hours in Apex Legends, you still find yourself in situations, holy shit, all I have left in this, in this circle is this set of gear and on a 1v3 situation with this terrain and it's slightly different every time. And I think it works really well for it. And another uh, observation I made, which I think was particularly stark in Apex because of the speed. Mm -hmm. If you notice, um, so PUBG obviously started this trend in 2017, and we're only two yeah. years out from PUBG's uh, closed beta. And mm -hmm. now we have, you know, Apex doing great too. But if you mm -hmm. go back and play PUBG or even Fortnite, one of the things that surprised me is how big the map is. You know, it's, matches are long, mm -hmm. whereas uh, in Apex, it's a pretty tight map. You know, you can land anywhere and you can get to the circles, you get to the action within, you know, within a minute, really. Like, if you just sprint for a minute, you can pretty much get from anywhere to the center of the map, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, the beautiful thing is, it seems to me like the strings are more invisible in Apex. And here's what I mean by that. Imagine me, Omar, and, like one, and a random third person. We, we drop, right? And we, we land like one second before uh, Shroud's team, right? And we get the gun first. We can kill him, right? Yeah. Now, in, in uh, Overwatch, I will n my team will never beat a pro team, right? It's impossible. Like, we could play a million rounds. And same thing in Counter-Strike. We will never win. I will never win a gunfight against, like, a, a much better player, right? But in in uh, Apex, uh, you you can you can if you if you're a few seconds early if you know you could jump on somebody you know they're looking the other way you go behind them boom you just kill someone who's you know way better than you you could not fire a shot and get to within the last ten players in uh, Apex. I, I like the fact that like the only way Altai can ever envision himself killing Shroud or a really yeah. good uh, Apex player is if he lands and gets like a full set of gear before Shroud picks up anything. That's the only way Altai can envision himself being able to kill a good player. I like it. It is. well, think about it. If it, it, you know, I, I think I'm above average, but not not good. But there are a lot of people who are even worse than me, and they enjoy mm -hmm. games like this because they could come yeah, in last. True. They can come in. Uh, and by the way, obviously, like I said, you cannot fire a shot and get within the last ten minutes standing. In a, in a battle royale, right? Mm -hmm. But in, in Overwatch, if you're like or a league or whatever, if you're bronze, right? You're bronze. You, you ain't you know you ain't beating anyone that's gold. It's impossible. Like mm -hmm. a, a bronze five a team of five is not gonna beat a gold five team of five. No, ever. Like if they if they play yeah, hundred yeah, rounds, they won't. And they'll always be last, and they'll feel it, and they'll see it. But in uh, Apex, oh well, guys, we did pretty good. We came in like fifth. <laughs> Even though they didn't get a single kill, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. And we've talked about this a lot in the podcast where games like StarCraft 2, which are 1v1 games, essentially, the like the online ladder, games like that very clearly show like they're, they're games of skill. There's very little chance in those games. But I think people, I think bad players especially, and I feel like most players are going to be pretty bad, and that's why I think some of the most successful games in the world rely heavily on some levels of RNG, you know? A bad player can always get carried in in, in, uh, in League of Legends as well. You can get carried. You, know, you, you could do really well in Battle Royale by simply getting better weapons. We're not fighting anyone till the end. You know things like that do happen, and you could get you know lucky headshots too. Like there, there is room for RNG and Hearthstone as well. You like, a really bad player can just beat a really good player purely because of RNG as well. So games that are just purely skill based, whether it's StarCraft two or chess or any just game that's raw skill, it doesn't have too much wide appeal online in video games because. The skill difference always really shows, and I think that's what really works really well for Battle Royale. That you could you could have a good experience even if you're really bad. I, a little bit of RNG sprinkled on an interesting game, I think does a lot. And I think even if you're a really good skilled player, you don't want a game to be purely skill based because if it's purely skill based, games do get pretty boring. You know, like 
uh, like StarCraft 1v1 as it's a fun game, but it couldn't appeal to many people. I got bored of it pretty quickly, and I think a lot of people did, and that's why the game isn't as you know as big as it is. It's not that big today. Yeah, and besides, you know, besides that, the, the, there's a few good new features in Apex that other games didn't have. Yeah, the respawn feature uh, is really important because one of the big problems with you know after Fortnite or PUBG is if you're playing with friends, which most you know a lot of people do, and you die early because you got unlucky. Like I said, like, imagine you land next to somebody, but like two seconds late, and he got the gun and killed you. Now you mm-hmm. gotta sit there and watch your friends play for like up to twenty minutes, mm-hmm. so, and, and that's it. You know, you're, you're sitting there watching. It's boring. Whereas in this in Apex, there's always hope as long as they pick up the little chip. There's always hope they can res you. So you're kind of invested. You stay invested into your squad until the end of the game. And you make call outs for them. You try to tell them like you know, there's a guy behind you. There's a guy to the left. You know, they, they can hear things for you too. So you res me, them. res me, res me. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I do that a lot too. I think it's a genius feature. There's a lot of little features in terms of the game design itself, which is beautiful. That works really well to Apex's Legends' favor. I do think there's a good chance that Apex Legends can uh, you know can gain a lot of momentum. And I think it'll be sucking away a lot of players from uh, PUBG. And Fortnite as well. The Fortnite still obviously is a much bigger game with 8.5 million concurrent players. But it, the way Apex is growing right now is incredible. And one last observation I made, uh, and I want to see if you agree with this. So for me, Apex Legends kind of reminded me of the value of big companies like EA. If this was launched by like an independent studio, right? Like uh, like Apex Legends was launched by um, a studio like, like PUBG, right? It would be in pre-alpha testing for like two years. It'd be buggy as shit. There'd be no incentive to make it gloss polished, right? But we didn't get any of that. We didn't get any pre-alpha founders packages. But you know, for the most part, it launched in a very functional state. Yes, there were some people disconnecting once in a while, but it was nowhere near as bad as PUBG. I would say even week one, Apex ran better than PUBG does today. Two yeah, years. yeah, definitely, hundred yeah. percent. And uh, I mean, it, it worked. I mean, people do crash. They're, they're, you know, it's not perfect, but the experience for most players in Apex Legends at launch is better than like most players in PUBG today, which is remarkable. Yeah, so I think that there's some value still in these big companies like EA or Activision Blizzard, which is getting a lot of heat for um, for other reasons this week. But uh, yeah, so, yeah, with Battle Royale too, it's remarkable just how many like other Battle Royale games we're getting nowadays too. Even can you believe Altai that Tetris has embraced Battle Royale? I saw that. It's a great trailer. Let me. Find... Isn't that isn't that insane that like how much battle royale has caught on that we now we have a Tetris battle royale game, even though the interaction between players and Tetris is pretty minimal. You know, it's mm-hmm. just you know you send pieces to the other, other opponents as you kill your own pieces. But we now have a oh Tetris battle royale, Tetris ninety nine. That shit was surprising, and it's remarkable that even Tetris is embracing battle royale. And it's free to play, Tetris ninety nine, mm-hmm. on Switch. I'm actually gonna try that one. I haven't tried it yet. Have you? No, I haven't played it either. Definitely a neat concept. And the idea of Battle Royale, too, before we get too far away from it, I, I want to touch on one more thing on it, because I know we've, we've had a long-running conversation about whether MMOs were, were dead or not. And while I still contend that I don't think MMORPGs are dead by any stretch, if you look at the, the nominal numbers of people playing MMORPGs and MMOs today, I would say are still higher than ever before. However, I think uh, we, we, my brother had an interesting conversation when we were Panera Bread eating, eating lunch one day about the relative figures, which I think are pretty astounding. So I think MMORPGs relatively speaking with the rest of the gaming market has gotten much smaller yes only because everything else has grown so much more the nominal numbers for mrpgs have increased nominally there's more players in mrpgs than ever before but relatively speaking with the total pie of games it's much smaller and if you and the best way to illustrate this i think is to look at world of warcraft the premier mmorpg it peaked at 12 million subscribers right 12 million players do you want 12 million players People don't realize doesn't mean it doesn't mean 12 million concurrent players. It means 12 million monthly active users. 
if you and, and that's being generous. If we assume every subscriber is an active monthly user, I'm sure a good chunk of those 12 million subscribers didn't play at all that month, right? So the most you can have with World of Warcraft at its absolute peak, the most successful, one of the most successful more pages of all time is 12 million monthly active users. And if you look at the current roster of games today, League of Legends was advertised was was boasting at 100 million monthly active users just last year. League of Legends with 100 million monthly active users by itself is almost 10 times bigger than World of Warcraft at its peak. And that was just last year. And that's one game. If you look at Minecraft, Minecraft came out with an interesting stat just, I think, um, in December of 2018, saying they had 91 million monthly active users. So Minecraft alone is like seven times bigger than World of Warcraft ever was. Fortnite has over 80 million monthly active users. These are just three games. That was compared to MMORPGs back then when, when WoW was one of the big boys. When WoW was 12 million monthly subscribers, no other game had these kinds of huge numbers. At that point, WoW was actually one of the biggest video games ever. It wasn't just the biggest MMORPG ever. It was one of the biggest and most popular MMORPG video games ever. And that's just not the case today for really any MMORPG. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that's very important because uh, here's another random example. Uh, you know, in the 1800s, the British uh, Navy you know, ruled the world. Uh, and today it doesn't. But... You could say, and I would say it's probably true, that the 2019 British Navy could sink the British Navy of 1800, right? Because they're all wooden ships. You know, mm -hmm. one. So, yes, even though the British Navy today is stronger than the British Navy of 1800s, it's relatively a weak Navy compared to the U.S. Navy. And in the same way, yes, MMORPGs are still being played by lots of people, uh, whether it's Dungeon Fighter Online in China or WoW still in America. It's relative to other genres, other games. It is a, is a, it is a minnow, sadly. Yeah, I, I think that that's really where a lot of the people um, that that's where they get the feeling that more pictures are dying, I guess, because it doesn't occupy the same mind share. You know, when they look at like the gaming universe, you know, they look at Twitch, they look at, you know, gaming. I was about to say gaming magazines to show my age. Nobody reads game magazines anymore. But like you look at like games, <laughs> even like GameSpot, which probably nobody reads anymore or Giant Bomb or these big gaming websites. Right. Like MRPGs basically represent a smaller and smaller share of anything you ever see you know if you're if you play wow you play elder scrolls you play final Fantasy Fortnite, you play any mrpg you are a minority in the gaming universe you don't really see mrpgs ever taking up the mainstream gaming news it's really never on the front page of twitch you know unless ninja boots up final Fantasy 11 which i'm gonna talk about later but um you, you just don't see it. and that's why you feel like mrpgs are dying but the raw numbers wise it's not dying but it just it feels like it's dying because it's just not in the mainstream anymore yep um i want to talk a little bit about the um you know, I saw I was watching um I was watching Ninja uh, the other day and he was playing Final Fantasy XI for a long time. He's playing for hours and hours, right? And obviously, Ninja playing he's he's well known for playing uh, Fortnite. He's one of the biggest. He's actually I think the biggest streamer last year in terms of total hours watched, concurrent viewers, all that stuff. And he was a big Final Fantasy XI fan. And uh, watching him play was very interesting because I noticed two things. One, the gameplay he was doing in Final Fantasy XI was basically just farming. He was grinding essentially with a team with a squad of like four people, right? They were basically pulling one enemy and killing it with like the ganking with four players at once, right? It was a four versus one, constantly killing mobs, right? And I'm looking at the chat. Everyone is saying, he's got only 5,000 viewers right now. He normally has like 100,000 viewers, something crazy when he plays Fortnite, right? Or like 50,000, whatever. He's got 5,000 viewers. Everyone's like, this is boring because the people watching Shroud are mostly there for Fortnite and, and they're, they're younger. I would say his audience is much younger than average. And they're saying, this is boring. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it kind of does look boring, doesn't it? But then I thought to myself, "There's no, not really. Because if you look at the modern MMORPG experience, what, Sh what Shroud was doing in Final Fantasy XI was more exciting than what any modern MMORPG does. The fact that he's struggling with four people to kill one mob was actually kind of, it was it was slower paced. He had to work together with four people to kill one mob. I mean, there was really no boss mechanics, but he was killing things, not Shroud, uh, uh, Ninja, I, I, I Shroud in my mind, but killing one enemy was, 
it, it wasn't like particularly exciting, but I would say it was way more exciting than seeing Maple Story 2 today, seeing Final Fantasy, somebody level in Final Fantasy 14 today, where you're basically going from point A to point B, grinding quests, killing monsters that have zero challenge. By yourself. By your, yeah, by yourself, communicating with nobody, killing monsters in one or two hits because they have no chance of hurting you, and you have no chance of dying. They die in two hits, and you, you're basically running from quest to quest on a complete autopilot mode. So comparing Final Fantasy 11 to the modern MMORPG experience, even though I didn't really play Final Fantasy 11 and it was really hard to get into. No, I don't think that was what he was doing was particularly boring. I, I would say that the it, it's remarkable how game developers have taken the designers have taken the MMORPG concept over the years and it actually made it more boring. Like I'm not saying Final Fantasy 11 was particularly exciting, but that was more exciting than our, our current MMORPG experience today. I don't know how we got from point A to point B where we are today, but it, it, it's really bad. It, it, it's atrocious, you know. What sticks out to me most is when I played um, Revelation Online, that, that, that Chinese MMORPG that My.com launched. And it, it was the most bizarre experience because it, it was the entire game for the first like three, four hours is on autopilot. You're just running from one NPC to one NPC, killing three frogs, picking up three, uh, you know, three flowers, cutting down one tree, and you're doing nothing for three hours. And there's no communication required. And when I play Final Fantasy 14 today and I do my roulette, if I do like a leveling roulette, I do an expert roulette, and my dailies basically in the game. But I do my dailies in Final Fantasy XIV today. What happens is one tank pulls literally every monster he can in the dungeon, and then we just all kill it. And there's there's no communication. So again, maybe clarify this a little better because in Final Fantasy XIV, when you do an expert roulette, there's basically uh, like four bosses in an expert dungeon, right? And they're gated, so you you literally cannot run past the that first gate until you kill all the trash mobs, right? So the tank he literally pulls every single trash mob he can up until that first gate. He would love to pull all the trash mobs in the dungeon, but he can't. He's got to only pull. He's got to stop when he gets to that first gate. So he pulls every every mob until that first gate, and then we literally just kill everything. And then he goes to the next gate and does the same thing over and over again. And at no point is there any communication. I have done at least a hundred expert roulettes, countless countless leveling roulettes in the game, and nobody ever speaks. If anybody says even hi, it's surprising. There's not one word uttered doing your dailies in Final Fantasy XIV. It's a game I've played for the last like two, three years pretty actively. I mean, I love the game, but there's zero communication. There's nothing happening. All right, that's my rant. Ooh, good rant there. Ooh, and, there's some passion there, boys. Yes, I, I, I agree. A lot of what we see now is uh, single-player content. Nothing but single-player content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you see... Here's a... Here's a try to be optimistic. Do you see any light at the end of the rainbow? Is any game that's in the horizon gonna fix that oof good question uh there's a few games trying to do some something's a little different there was that one um korean mrpg that nexon's working on but like no like for the we, we really we don't really have any of like big studios making mrpgs i mean i guess you have that um crowfall and stuff but i feel like crowfalls aren't paracronicles yeah i don't think crowfall is really like a traditional mrpg i mean games like crowfall really build themselves these, these pvp games PvP, yeah yeah, I don't think Crowfall is trying to recreate an MMORPG experience. It's very clear from what they've talked about that Crowfall is not an MMORPG in the sense that most of us view an MMORPG. And MMORPG doesn't have to be that shitty formula either. But it looks like, for Crowfall at least, a lot of these games are not trying to be ambitious in their no in, in that PvE scope. They're very PvP-driven. You, I mean, you can have good PvP in an MMORPG, but it just, it just doesn't feel like you know, an MMORPG when that's really the only part of the game. Um, Star Citizen, I don't know about that. Any any aspirations for a uh, one that's coming out next this week? Actually, Kurtzpel is entering closed beta. No, but Kurtzpel is again not really an MMORPG. In I know fact, it's it, a lobby. It's, not really a, it's a lobby thing, yeah. right? But it could it, it, it could it's it, a two v two PP game. In what? fact, their their press release. I thought it's got they, dungeons and shit. 
it has some optional side dungeons, probably the same way Guns of Duel had like side dungeons you could do PVE in, right? But Guns, of, oh, I, th I thought it was gonna be more like Dungeon Fighter Online. Uh, it's not though, because oh, I, no. I, I thought so as well because I never played the game before, right? Yeah. But I looked at their um, Kurt Spell sent out a release earlier saying they announced their their beta registrations, right? And the COD Games launched the official website for their upcoming two v two PVP title. That's the way this game is being built. 2v2 a 2v2 PvP title? PvP title. This oh, is not no. built as an MO. This is not, don't expect any kind of MO from Kurt Spell. So I, I, I give you a link I'll on Discord so you can just see their, their press release over here. Oh man, I was expecting something more along the lines of uh, like DFO. Like Soul Worker. Yeah, DFO, Soul Worker. Yeah. Cr yeah. Critica. So these games aren't trying to really be an MMO. I, th I think somebody mentioned in the chat as well uh, New World. And now Chaos Shield that New World isn't looking good. But at least, look, at least New World is trying something a bit different. But and and I, it's still fair to call a new world and more RPG. It's a persistent world. It has some RPG elements, some kind of skill game elements. And at least you got to hand it to New World for trying to do something a little bit different. I like the model of New World, and I like the model of Atlas a lot as well. But the problem is these games can never really translate into kind of universal appeal because they get they end up being very bloated and complicated. I mean, the UIs in in Atlas and New World. I've seen the videos. I've tried Atlas, but in New World, it, it seems like a UI overload. They have not been able to simplify this design. I think for for a mass market yet. I mean, I love Rust, and I think a lot of people that played Rust love the UI, the simplicity of Rust. But I guess when you start scaling a game like Rust up to like tens of thousands of players in one world, it gets very complicated. And no game is able to distill that complication down to more simple, digestible form. Because I think if you can, that could be our next, you know, big MMORPG. But no one's done it yet. I don't think anyone's been able to do it. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't tried New World yet, but from what I've seen, I think you're right. I think it looks a little too, a little too busy for uh, mainstream appeal. Really trying to think, like, what was the last MMORPG we've had? The last few MMORPGs we've had that I think um, that pushed the MMORPG genre at least, like, a little bit forward. I mean, they're not perfect games, right? But there, I think there are elements of Black Desert Online in terms of having a wide, persistent open world with that action combat, a right? Single ser a single single serve. No, no load, yeah. you know. BDO, I think, is one of the, it's really the last game, I think, that really did a lot for the MMORPG genre. I mean, again, not perfect, but the action combat in an open world is amazing. I actually like the the Blade and Soul combat a lot more personally. I love the Blade and Soul combat, right? But it was much more compartmentalized. You know, the, the zones in um in Blade and Soul were like were instance, well not instance, but like they were they were very segmented. Whereas you have an, a persistent open world in Black Desert, and the combat felt a little more and more PG esque, more traditional PVE elements in in Blade. I know Black Desert Alliance added more PVE elements too, but in terms of actually pushing the genre forward, I think those two games are the only ones that have done anything even remotely different. You know, we've had so many, so many Dungeon Fighter Online clones where you have the instance dungeons with the persistent hubs. That's been recycled a billion times. We've had so many, you know, WoW clones. Like, these are the three, the two big archetypes for MMORPGs. WoW clones and games, and, and uh, DFO clones, which are, you know, instance dungeon persistent hub style games. We've seen so many of those games. And, yeah. It's funny that I'm actually... I, I, <laughs> I was actually, it's been so long that I was actually eagerly awaiting another one of those instant dungeon MMOs. Like Curse Spell? Because <laughs> I thought that's what Curse Spell was going to be, but apparently not. It's not. Yeah, it's not going to be one of those. But it, it, the, the archetypes for MMOs are really, you know, re and only the only games that break those molds were, you know, in the last few years, were, and Blade of Soul is pretty old now. I mean, Black Desert Online is pushing, like, what, three years old now or something? So these games aren't exactly new anymore. You know, and the games we were excited for, remember Bless? That, that, that hot duker? At no point was Bless ambitious. The only interesting part about Bless for me, when I, I, I we did hype it up a little bit on this podcast in the past. The only part of the game I was actually hyped for, and I, I think I made pretty clear, was the difficulty. Because it took a very standard free-to-play and more experience 
it was actually like old school challenging like like old school everquest old school wow style difficult where you would actually die on dungeons and i, I put up a video on the most.com youtube channel talking about that too where it was actually um we ran a dungeon and we wiped the first boss like four times and we did it with like four people and then i made a video of the the na version of bless where i soloed the boss when i'm four levels below it by myself with no chance of dying you know like when they completely gutted that experience it was just another duker to me i mean it ran like ass too but you know, the design went out the window too indeed well and maple story 2 as well i want to give some i do want to give some props to maple story 2 for at least the kind of mrvs they created but i think where where maple story 2 did really well was basically everything but the core gameplay but the core gameplay was very repetitive and boring and it was also super easy unfortunately which made the like all the side stuff was great, but you have to have that side stuff within a functioning, decent MMORPG. And I think the, the core gameplay in Maple Story 2 wasn't decent. It was pretty bad. It was pretty boring. Very uninspiring. The fact that, you, you know, at no point was it challenging. And no, the pacing was completely off. Yeah. They stripped a lot of the basics, but they had a lot of good ideas. And those good ideas, I guess, I do want to give them credit for at least, you know, doing something a little bit different. Do we, do we know why they decided to make the leveling so quick? I remember even the side quests were not, like, you know, you didn't have to do them. Like in, in no, no you never did side quests. You could get to max level in like a day in that game. Like, what what was the reasoning there? It felt like it felt like the experience curve of a game that's already been out for like eight years, and then trying to make exactly, exactly. And and you you would think um, next time would know better because one of their most successful games is Maple Story One. Maple Story One today is, is still one of the biggest like MMORPGs in the world because of their success in Korea. And once while Big Bang and stuff in Maple Story, if it sped up the leveling experience quite a bit, even the Western version. Once you get to level 200, it was not easy to level up Maple Story. It was a very grindy experience. Whereas you get the max level of Maple Story 2 like in a couple days of like just doing the main story quest. No side quest needed. Maple Story 1 still had that extreme grind. They, they increased level cap as well. So there's even more grind now. So slowing down that leveling process is unbelievably important. Because if you get the max level in a couple days, like you, you really devalue that entire experience. It feels like, why did this even exist in the game? At no point did you get to understand the world, appreciate your character's progression the way you did in Maple Story 1. Is uh is anyone playing um, MapleStory two still? I'm curious from your experience what the numbers are like because Steam I think doesn't cover the full uh, player base because most people mm -hmm. probably play from the launcher. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you do go on Steam though, it's uh, MapleStory two is really tanking. Yeah, we it's got, unfortunate. We got major, well. yeah, major double digit declines every month. Mm -hmm. Which again, it's really sad because they did so much right, but then they dropped the ball on the core gameplay, and it's just. I really don't understand. I, I really, there's something like some common sense must be missing from some of the game design like world because, you know, even when I'm playing Final Fantasy 14, the problem is when there's nothing like, like there's really not much more to do in terms of content in Final Fantasy 14 for me. Like the, the core progression, I'm kind of done with basically. I'm on level 400. I'm waiting for the you know, next set of stuff to come out so I can do them. Then once you reach that point, there's no reason to log in anymore. And for a lot of people, once you reach max level. You're mostly there. You know, you wanna, you gotta work towards something. And, and, and the, thing, the, the, the progression on the gear didn't make any sense in Maple Story Two. It was complete bullshit RNG. The way you would progress for your gear running the late game dungeons, the chaos raids. Like it, it was the most frustrating because you, you, at first, when you do a late game dungeon, you, you have a chance of getting gear that doesn't even apply to your character. You might get like a high level gear that you just can't even wear for yourself. It was completely, and you couldn't even trade it either. So it was so useless. The, 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 the design made no sense. That. Fortunately, MapleStory 2 is, did say they were going to, you know, they're going the full, like, RuneScape route where they said we're going to talk to our player base and figure this shit out, right? That's what they said. We're going to figure this shit out. Before we put our next patch, we're going to take feedback, propose solutions, 
list the feedback on those solutions and propose new solutions and hopefully address all the problems. So they're, they're trying it, they're, they're taking a more hands on approach to MapleStory 2's development with engaging the player base. And hopefully it ends up working out because you know the games we've seen do that, old school RuneScape, seem to be doing really well. Yeah. Well, in going back a little bit to the uh, MMORPGs, I think the, the hope we have left, I think, is going to be reserved for the ones that kind of blend in MMOs with the FPS genre. So whether it's games like The Division, uh, Destiny, um, Anthem, and I think Warframe kind of paved the paved the way here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we need is a big budget Western Warframe esque game. Well, we have Warframe, which it's a Western game as well. Yeah, but I'm game. talking about like a Anthem big, as well. To yeah. a degree. A- Anthem, but here's the thing with Anthem. I don't know how it's going to be. From, from the murmuring I'm hearing in the you know, uh, the grapevine, it it doesn't. It seems like a lot of the air in that one is, has been lost. I want to show you a funny clip my friend linked me. I think it was Kios who linked a clip from a popular streamer playing Anthem. And I want everyone on the stream uh, to pay attention to this man's crosshairs. Okay, it's only a, only a 24 second clip. Just pay attention very clearly to where the crosshairs are and how on earth he's he's hitting his opponents. All the right. aiming is completely broken in this game. All right, so uh, Lucifer King, seven months. Thank you, Thank Lucifer's. You. Much love. I. So uh, let me make this bigger because uh, otherwise I can't see it. Yeah. All right, here we go, boys. <laughs> I like the last shot. I'm getting that guy on the right. What? Side. I'm getting him. I won't lie. I'm actually kind of disgusted at how well I'm hitting these. <laughs> <laughs> that should never happen. Are these? This is. These are AI though, right? He's fighting like. Yeah. Killing uh, AI. And if I remember correctly, there's other issues too with Anthem. Some real baka business where people can play like the sandbox mode. Where there's like no enemies, right? And you could just you just basically look at the map and find really rare treasure in the sandbox mode where there's no enemies. Take that treasure and bring it with you. Save it on your character for multiplayer mode. Wow. Some real Baka business tier stuff happening uh, in the Anthem world. I feel like this was the wrong project for a studio like Bioware. Um, you know, they should have stuck to their Single core player, yeah, core, exactly. And then a different kind of studio should have taken on this mantle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, if you look at some of the studios that really specialize, uh, you look at, like, Paradox, uh, for example, Paradox uh, Interactive. They're the guys that made uh, Europa Universalis, the, the, all those grand strategy games, you know, the 4X strategy games. They keep making those strategy games. And they keep doing really well. I think 2018 was their most successful year ever. And they keep doing the same thing and they're polishing it up. And I think Bioware is known for making these, you know, epic, you know, single player RPG experiences. And to have them make an MMORPG with Star Wars Republic and for them to make uh, Anthem, I mean, I'm not saying they're incapable of doing it, but it just seems like, you know, you're, you're rolling the dice over there to see if something comes out that's, you know, a logical progression of what came before. And you know what I want to do? I want to contrast the reception online so far with Anthem versus apex legends mm-hmm. so i think apex legends wisely decided not to reveal itself until it was ready and then just drop the game and now mm-hmm. it's a two million concurrent players whereas anthem i've been hearing about anthem for like what two or three years now mm-hmm. it's just like it's the background now you know what i'm saying like if this game just came out today like boom like here's this big game uh you know mmo slash shooter rpg slash shooter whatever you want to call it 
I, I think the buzz would be a lot bigger. I think they, I think there's this service when you drag a game out, it's uh, it's media blitz for like two years. Yeah, and I think somebody mentioned in the chat too, Ayantex. It's like Blade is still being announced, you know, forever ago and, and coming out in the West, like literally years later. You know, a lot of that buzz definitely died down. And I think a lot of people were excited for Blade and Soul in the West at first, but then by the time it came out, it did lose a lot of steam. And what's remarkable too, if you look at the the launch numbers, I mean, I remember when uh, early access began for you know for um, Anthem. Remember, Anthem isn't technically out yet; it launched on the twenty second, I believe. And this is like anyone that pays for EA uh, access or Origin access gets access to it early. But at no point was it even a top five game on Twitch. You know, it was it's being outranked by all the you know usual suspects, and it's currently sitting at like number fourteen or something, right? So it really didn't have the same hype or buzz that a lot of these other games did have. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know if you missed that. I missed it. But when is the actual like full release for everyone? I think 22nd. Okay, so wow, very soon. Yeah, February 22nd is the full launch. Cool. Mm-hmm. But I feel like anyone that's really into already, you know, got into it with the with the essentially the early access. I gave Destiny 2 a brief try, and I'll probably do the same for Anthem. Uh, I don't have high expectations personally because Destiny 2 also didn't do it for me, uh, and mm-hmm. this seems like it's obviously heavily inspired by that. But I will give it a try, and I'll let you know what I think. Yeah. I think you mentioned earlier, too, we were talking about the size of games. We talked about League being over 100 million monthly active users, Minecraft being 91 million monthly active, Fortnite being over 80 million. There's one game I didn't mention there either. There's a lot of mobile games we're not even talking about. You know, if you want to look at the size of the you know the market nowadays, you know, with WoW being 12 million monthly active back in the day, Honor of Kings has 200 million monthly active users by itself. So Honor of Kings, in terms of the scale of World of Warcraft being a big deal back in, like, you know, with uh, Wrath of Lich King, you know, this one mobile game has literally, like, 18 times the audience that the most successful MRPG of the world has ever had in this peak. You know, so it, it's, it's still pretty remarkable. And I think games like um, games like Apex, games like uh, even Anthem has a chance, at least is addressing a much bigger market, you know. With MRPGs, I don't think MRPGs are addressing a giant market the way, you know, a MOBA or any Battle Royale game is. I think you mentioned um, in a, before we even started um, the stream that if you're like a big company and you were like trying to pitch an MRPG, like you must be like retarded. I mean, I know it's not a very PC term, but like you must be like crazy. You know, best case scenario, you get like fifty thousand players online. Like versus Apex Legends or any battle royale game, best case scenario, you get like three million players online. You know, the addressable market is just not there for more PGs. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine the meeting? It's like okay, uh, Apex Legends. It's got two million concurrent players. It's one map, uh, eight characters, and like what? Like maybe a dozen guns, right? Yeah, and uh, sixty players tops per match. And each match is 20 minutes, right? Yeah. That game makes 2 million concurrent players. And now you're pitching me a MMORPG with like, you know, dozens and dozens of zones. And each zone has to be as complicated as that one Apex map, right? It's got to have all, yeah. probably, I would say, a thousand NPCs, thousands of quests. It's got to have dun- instance dungeons. Everything's got to have at least eight classes, all balanced. Um, mm-hmm. PvP, PvE, balanced at each phase too, like level 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, right? Come on, like it, it's such a hard sell uh, right now with with the tech, you know, I guess the the state of the gaming. Yeah, I I, I wish we knew the the development budget of a game like uh, Apex Legends because like like you said, an MMORPG requires a tremendous amount of like effort to, and and to make and release versus a game like I mean Apex Legends is clearly a very polished, beautiful game, but the the scale of a game like Apex Legends is not like out you know is that r- ridiculous you know, so it, it must cost. Like orders of magnitude less than like a triple A MMORPG. Whether it's, I bet you ESO costs multiples of what Apex Legends costs to make. I mean, I, we're not even talking about like you know 
Star Wars: Old Republic, which costs over well, hundred million. I'll put it. I'll put it more uh, bluntly. You know, the studio that made Apex Legends, um, Respawn Entertainment, they made a game called Titanfall and Titanfall Two. Mm-hmm. I bet of the three games they made now, Titanfall One, Two, and Apex Legends, Apex Legends cost less than half what Titanfall cost, right, to make. But it made it's like a scope, yeah, definitely. But it made like a hundred million billion times more money. Because it's it's just a simpler game. You don't need like these, you know, you don't need a story. You don't need all these different maps. You need one map, you know, a few characters that have a few voice lines, and that's it. Yeah, uh, it just it just it is a much larger addressable market, and that's why I think um, we're not going to we will not get a lot of other PC and more PGs in the West because the addressable market for these games is not nearly as large. Again, the games. The genre is not dead, but as a percent of the total gaming mindshare, as a percent of the total people playing video games now, is definitely less, you know, probably shrinking than ever before. We still have it, really the only big PC and RPGs left in the world. I mean, WoW is still hanging in there in the West, but really it is in China. You know, games like Dungeon Fighter Online still have like 2 million concurrent players. Now, I think Dungeon Fighter Online today is like as big as World of Warcraft was in its peak worldwide. And we're looking at just China for Dungeon Fighter Online. So, in China, you still have a PC and more RPGs, you know, holding on. But all the big games, even in China, are all coming out from mobile. And I think MMORPGs will hopefully live on through mobile, and we'll get a lot of new MMORPGs on mobile that are actually decent. We don't really have them today. It's all very uh, autoplay nonsense, but hopefully they pick up on there. Yeah, And, and you know, I'm not going to give up totally on MMORPGs in terms of scope, because eventually I think we'll have tools to make it cheaper. Like, if you can imagine, um, the, a lot of the quest side quests, especially in MMORPGs, are, are like, very low level writing and -hmm. i can imagine in the future that machine learning or whatever just just spitting those out like help our forest is being attacked by x Mm -hmm. goblins please save us by killing x you know 15 of them so you can just automate the shit and then that way uh uh, the cost will come down i mean i'm looking at some some development cost stuff people are saying the shadow of the tomb raider uh that single player game development cost between 75 and 100 million just to just to make the game forget promotion you know i i bet you anything apex legends costs a fraction of that because the scale of a game like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the scale of a game like Titanfall 2, they're, they're just trying to do so much more rather than just a 60-player arena where people duke it out. You know, The formula has been tried and true with Fortnite and PUBG, and they already had like the, the Titanfall engine. Actually, I mean, the, they're doing a heavily modified source engine, the same as Titanfall 2. Yes, it's, yes. it's based they're, on they're source. Doing, like the only one that, they're, they're like the only Battle Royale game that's not you know built on Unreal Engine 3 or 4. And it's been working for them. It has. And... Uh... A few other games have tried making Battle Royales. I know Realm Royale launched with a huge buzz, uh, but mm-hmm. then it plummeted to nothing. Hey, I was actually looking at Realm Royale. They actually, their player base up is fourfold higher today than it was in October of 2018. Oh, wow. They, they dipped a lot, and now they're, they're on the way back up, boys. Realm Royale is our underdog story of 2019, all right? They're coming back. I don't know about that. Like, I they're think, coming back. So they launched with over 32,000 concurrent, right, average players. Peak of 100,000. And even now, last 30 days, they're at 10,000. So that's a 90% mm-hmm. loss of players. And I suspect they're doing well because of Apex Legends now. There's a revived interest in the genre. You know, we need, we need, some, more, uh, we need some more imagination in the genre. We need, we need more Sword Art Online. Right? Somebody in the chat that when we get full dive technology, MRPGs will be huge. All right? I do think, as you know, kind of silly as the, the technology in Sword Art Online was, like, it, it did, in a way, get people excited for more PGs in a weird way. I think, th- I bet you there's some kind of correlation between when Sword Art Online launched, the anime, and people's interest in more PGs. It, it must have spiked, at least for a short period. Well, we can do a Google Trends analysis here, boys. Hacker, Ooh, hacker time, of... hacker time. All right, th- upload the data. Analyzing. Right. Crunching numbers. 
Sword, Sword Online apparently released in 2012. Sword Art Online. And let's search MMORPG. Is there, was there a correlation, Altai? I'm going to compare it to MMORPG. See the data points. And boys. no. Nothing. All right. The Scientific Council has ruled. Hypothesis is void. It's been debunked. debunked. We've been debunked, boys. We were bunked, and now we're debunked. Well, your chart only goes back 12 months, Altai. Oh, my bad. Let's go. Yeah, you're Altai, right. Altai, you know what? All right, not we, debunked. We, we, not debunked, boys. Take it back. We're I, back. I look at the stream. I'm like, we're, oh, back. we're back, boys. We're back. Mm. All right, we've learned. No, nope. still nothing. Altai. Still nothing. Right. Sorry. All right. Denjo12, appreciate the five months in a row of that Twitch Prime sub. Much love, fam. Know that your uh, sub will go towards science of MMOs. All right, let's see the science. I want to see the science outline. Let's see. I can't even see the full x axis. X axis. There's no sense. There's nothing. There's nothing Wait, here. It's February 23rd, 2000. What? Uh, I went 2014. I'll go back. Five. I'll go back. Uh, even I'm, more. Seeing, I'm seeing some little bumps over there. Altai. Oh, here we go. No, we no. In fact, in fact, what's fun. <laughs> this one really proves you wrong. It's total opposite. Right, as sword art went out, as interest in sword art went up, MMORPG went down. <laughs> You know what? I like it. Chaos gave a good suggestion. Search MMO, not MMORPG. This isn't MMORPGs.com. We're MMOs.com, all right? All right, fine. MMO, MMO. Oh, I'm seeing a little bit of a bump over there, all time. I'm seeing I a little bit of a bump. About? It went down. Same thing. Look. Yeah, it still went down. Hold yeah. on, hold on. It's, it's, look, I'm seeing a little, little bit of a bump. There's no all bump. Right? Come on. That's a bit of a bump. Oh, my God. You know there's a correlation that they're both going down together now, all right? See? Yeah, there was a little uh -huh. bump in the beginning. What does that mean? I don't know. Debunked. Debunked, boys. Get debunked. All right. Total correlation. It's all connected. It's all connected to Sword Art Online, boys. It's all connected. <laughs> we tried to watch. Uh, I was saying the pregame. I'll tell you, I tried to watch uh, Sword Art Online. Uh, Alicization. It had a really cute. Listen, very minor detour over here. All right. We didn't finish the anime, by the way. We start, I think it started off okay and it got pretty bad. So we 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 X'd out of it. But we got episode twelve. The problem was it had a really cute lolly girl at the beginning, and then she got older and the show got bad. True or false? That's when that's when it got bad. They should get the lolly young and innocent and cute. I feel like the whole show, uh, it, it should have been 12 episodes, not 24. That was their mistake. Yeah. So they just dragged it up. Yeah, indeed. But one day, Altai, when we get the full dive VR technology, MMOs will be back. I I don't think so. First of all, full dive, I don't think it's happening in our lifetime. So Rip. we got that to uh, look forward to. Yikes. Huh? It is 50 episodes, guys? I thought it was 24. Oh, God. No, no, he's, he's, he's talking about the entire series, maybe. Oh, maybe. The Alicization, I think, was only 16 episodes. Anyway, we should let, let, let's go back to uh, current existing MMORPGs, boys. Final Fantasy XIV launched a pretty big update this last week. And worth talking about because it's actually a little bit different. I'll tell you, I think you'll be pleased with this because it introduced a raid to the game. Ooh. And... Uh, a raid that you would actually consider a raid. We had a discussion. In oh, a so, so not four people. Nice. Not four people. Not eight, eight <laughs> players. Other default raids, right? And they had, they had alliance raid relationships with 24 players. But I'll tell you, get this. They added a raid to the game that's 56 players. Damn. That, that's a raid. All right. And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, get this. If you die in the raid, like you, you, if you get to the final, there's like multiple bosses. If you get to the final boss and then you die, you're part, you, you can't res in the fight. Good. And if you all die, you all get teleported back outside the dungeon. You got to do the whole thing over again. So, so not only is and, it a raid, and, and, but and it's a dungeon. So it's a dungeon actually. Yeah, and you de-level when you die. So it's not just a boss fight. No, you got there's some trash there too. All they added trash oh, just for you. Finally, all right. See, that's what I'm. They must have listened. They must have listened. 
They must have listened, boys. Right. So, so again, you. This is in the Eureka Zone, the game. There's a separate leveling process, right? So, if you get to the, if you die in Eureka in the game, and if you don't get res, you lose experience, and you can actually de-level. So, if you're the current max level there is 60. So, once you get to 60, you can basically challenge this boss. You can actually challenge beforehand if you want to, but most players get to 60, then do the boss. And if you die there, you you have to re-grind up experience to get back to 60 before going back to the boss. But it's really cool for a lot of reasons. Uh, they actually build as like a more challenging experience than the typical content. It's not like they're savage tier difficult or the ultimate tier difficult, but it's more difficult than the close your eyes and face roll content tier difficult. Mainly because um, there are mechanics in these fights that aren't mechanically challenging, right? But you have to you have to you have to work together with multiple people to get like to basically beat these bosses. So there's uh, absolute virtue, for example, is uh, was a Final Fantasy XI boss that took like over a year for players to clear it because like there was a mechanic in absolute virtue in Final Fantasy XI. That you couldn't really beat the boss until you like found out his secret and like did the mechanic in a very specific way. So in Final Fantasy XI, there's um there's a mechanic for absolute virtue as well. So if you pull the boss regularly, you get dunked. It has a ball, it has a buff on itself, which basically you no, know, you don't know you don't know what the buff does, but when he has that buff, he basically destroys your party right away. But if you there's a you can summon a portal before you get the absolute virtue that takes you somewhere else where you can summon a boss outside the dungeon. So and I try try to follow me over here, Altai. So you, you summon a boss outside the dungeon, okay? And you have to rely on people that are not in the dungeon to go kill that boss you just summoned. This is all wow. in the Eureka area. It supports like 200 players, right? So people, the 56 players are in the dungeon, and 150 players are outside the dungeon. So those players have to go find this boss that you summoned and kill it. If they kill that boss, it weakens absolute virtue in the dungeon and makes you be able to kill him. So this, you this... find access to this place by using one of the I think one of the logos, one of the special actions for Eureka. So you kind of have to discover how to beat this boss that isn't really related to in-game mechanics of just like dodging orange circles, which is kind of interesting because it's the first time we have a boss fight that's not like itself mechanically challenging, but involves some level of cooperation between players and some outside-the-box thinking. I mean, that's beautiful. That, that's what this genre is supposed to be about. If you want like a mechanical fight, you know, go play Dark Souls. So Go play Dance Dance Revolution. Go play Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. There, there are plenty of games that are mechanically challenging. Go play Battle Right, you know? Yeah. I do agree that MMORPGs aren't about just dodging orange circles. You know, MMORPG is the entire experience of cooperation with other players too. There are there are better mechanically challenging games than MMORPG if you want purely mechanics. And the sense of community should be shared uh, server wide. So things like you know requiring or um, needing people outside the dungeon to do something. Um, it's it, it kind of reminds me of the whole Encourage Gates thing in a in a yeah. WoW where you know you, it was a server wide chore to uh, accomplish something in the server. I think the best comment in the, this entire stream was, why does Altai look like he wants to sell me olive oil by Stealthy Assault? That's the best thing I've read all week, boys. 10 out of 10. But, uh, so, it, I think it took players about, like, two or three days to clear this content, so the hardcore people. Now, since then, many people have cleared it. But what's interesting is if you die on the final boss, you, you can't get rezzed, right? But there's a buff someone can cast on you that gives, like, a 7% chance to get rezzed. So if you die, you might auto-rez because of that. But if you die on the boss and you don't get res, you don't get any rewards. So everyone that's alive at the end gets rewards. And you get that really cool mount you can see in the stream right now. It's the Osmo mount in the game. So if you die on the final boss, you know, you, and then you're done though. You know, you don't get the mount. And you have to redo the whole thing over again. And it's very frustrating because, you know, people that cleared the boss already have no incentive to go back and do it again. Yeah, that's true. So you're playing with people that, are, you know, that never cleared it before either. And it becomes very frustrating for you. I got to say, this mount design is... Um... Very, very uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Just an orb. 
<laughs> it's well the, the orb itself actually changes form depending on if you're if you're on if you're on land it looks like that if you're flying it looks like a triangle it, it, it changes to a different thing so it, it is different if oh. land sea and air has slightly different uh like variation for it it's supposed to be like this the orbit it, it looks pretty cool it spins around too well that's pretty cool and one more Final Fantasy XIV related issue, which I want to mention, is because uh, it falls into our conversation about toxicity, something we've talked about in great detail for the last uh, couple of years. And Final Fantasy XIV actually um, updated their one of their policies, their uh, prohibited activities policy. And they said they want to take a more active stance in policing the community. They said prior to this, we used to take a much more hands-off approach where, you know, unless it's like a physical threat, or something extreme. They didn't want to intervene. They didn't want to censor things. They didn't want to intervene. But they said they want to take, they want to change direction on that front and go with a much more hands-on approach. They want to create a better, uh, a safer environment for online players. I mean, that's we've seen a lot of games go this route, so I'm not particularly surprised. But there's one part of the story which I found pretty ridiculous. Now, I've never actually read their prohibitions policy, prohibited activities policy in Final Fantasy XIV before. But there's one line that I found pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous under offensive expression. So if you scroll down to offensive expression, Altai, can you read us uh, the third, the fourth one from the top? Okay, so here's my favorite one too. Okay, here we go. Yeah. These are things that are prohibited. Expressions that unilaterally reject another person's opinion. Oof. I don't get that either. It makes no sense because look, you want if they just said like don't be a douchebag, right? I I get that. You know that's a very sensible like don't be like extremely offensive. They say something like that. I think anyone can get behind that, right? But if you say you can't unilaterally reject another person's opinion. If some retard tells you that, you know, no, dude, you can't be a black mage, be a thermoturge. They're even better. It's like the, 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 the pre-job change version of black mage where you can just have less abilities. I'm going to be like, nah, bro, you're wrong. You, you're just 100% retarded and wrong. I, I can't unilaterally exp- reject his opinion. Come on. So I'm not, I'm not actually sure what they mean by unilaterally here. So imagine you and me both gang up on somebody and tell him he's wrong. Is that okay? Because there's two of us now? Oh, there you go. Well, no, I think with the transit, you have to like weigh his opinion, even if his opinion is wrong. So this is actually is a new policy because if you look at uh, archive.org, I gave you this is from 2017, I believe. Yeah, this I'm looking at one. This is from February 14th, 2017. This is that was their old um, prohibited activities list, and there was nothing about you know rejecting someone's opinion. You know, control of opinion. There's nothing there. So this is a relatively new phenomenon. Whether they added it just this last two weeks, or it, it snuck in there before. But when this caught my eye, I was I was so surprised because. You know, how is rejecting someone's opinion at all an offensive expression that is considered bannable? This is listed as an offensive expression that, that could result in your account being terminated. I mean, obviously, they can ban your account for any reason. But by putting this in here, it, it, it just almost like a slap to our common sense. I mean, we know, like, if you do something bad, they can just ban you anyway. Like, in fact, in their terms of service, there's a line that says we can ban your account for any reason or no reason at all. And there's nothing you can do about it. That basically covers screening ass to ban anybody for any reason. By but by putting this in their uh, their offensive expression section of their of their like uh, policy, it's so insult. It's so stupid because it, there's nothing wrong with rejecting someone's opinion if it's bad. There are bad opinions. There are just people that are unilaterally wrong. There is objectively wrong, and telling them they're wrong should not be against terms of service in the game. I'm actually kind of not a fan of this this one either. Expressions that compel a playing style. Well. Last time I checked, you know, if I'm sitting on in my computer in my house and you're sitting in your computer in your house and I type to you, hey, play a tank. You suck at healing. 
I'm not compelling you. I'm, you know, asking you to switch. I, I will leave the party or I will kick you from my party if you don't. But I don't think it should count as compelling somebody. I, I, I think what they mean there is like, obviously, like if you have like six people telling some, well, no, no, they, I, I don't know. Because if you have six people telling one guy to play a certain way. He's not compelled. He's not. He can just leave. You're right. He can just leave, no or, I can, or we can kick him. Or he, I, I don't understand. Oh, yeah, you should be able to tell him. Like, listen, play this way, or we're gonna kick you. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Well, according to this, there is, right? But it is an expression to attempt to unilaterally exclude someone from the game or content or community, except when it accords with the rules set by the free company. So a guildmaster could can kick somebody if they're not playing a certain way. So presumably, you can only do that if you're a guild leader, but not a party Which leader. Also because if I'm in a party. And one guy's like, if somebody's playing a paladin in Final Fantasy fourteen, a paladin is a, is a tank class in the game, right? But they have one heal ability, right? A very, you know, not efficient heal ability he can use, right? If he's just saying, you know what, I'm going to play a paladin, but I'm going to play a healer paladin that's a pacifist. I'm only going to heal. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tank. I'm not going to attack. I'm going to heal people. Like, I'm going to tell that guy change your play style or get the fuck out, and that should be perfectly allowed. But I guess by any cursory reading of this list over here, it would be bannable. You know Which also doesn't make any sense. I got a great scientific science idea here. All right, mm -hmm. maybe we should do this. Make a guild or a free company and say, mm -hmm. pick a race you don't like. Like uh, the bunny race, whatever. Okay. Well, All right, Vieras. And say, I, yep, yeah, I say we hate him. No Vieras allowed in my guild. And then, and then say, I'm role-playing. I'm role-playing. Now, will you get in trouble or can someone complain and say you're being racist in the game? I, I don't think you'll get in trouble because I think there are already there are already um, like Lollafell only or like Ellison only guilds in the game. But they don't build it as like you have you can't be this to join. It's more like you have to be this to join. So maybe if they say like yeah, one is like only yeah, what, yeah. If you exclude somebody rather than being only inclusive of one race, it might be viewed a little bit differently. Those nacho cookies, thank you for those five dollars, much appreciated. I think if you did that, you if you said like you can't join this free company because you're a you're a Lalafell or you're you're an Ellis and you're a Ara, yeah, I think you probably would get in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it'd be funny if someone did that and then. Um... I suspect, though, in the future, you will have a case of somebody getting kicked from a party or a free company for just not being a good player, uh, mm -hmm. and then and then they will they will report the the free company for that. And like, and here's the thing: I don't think. I mean, Alta, I would say is actually pretty unreasonable. But I don't think I'm unreasonable when it comes to a lot of these issues. Okay, like if you look on their aggressive expression, such as violent language, mm -hmm. slander, insult, or threat. I mean, Alta is okay with slander and insult too, right? Yeah, if you can, as long as you can block, as long as you can block the guy. Yeah, look, I can understand that. Well, I disagree with this. I can understand why they put that there, right? Because as long as you can block somebody, I think it fixes most things. Remember, the keyword here is aggressive expressions, of like and expressions that provoke or belittle another person, such as excessive criticism. It's not remember, it's not criticism; it's excessive criticism, okay. where you go beyond the extra mile look, and go be extra douchebag. Look, look if, I agree. You, if you block them, it's fine. If you but keep I making new accounts, if they keep making new accounts or getting other people to keep whispering like you know racist stuff yeah. to them, that. You can get okay. That can get. I can. I can get behind banning the guy who initiated that uh, snowball of, of of hate, right? But if one guy PMs you, I don't care how racist he's being. If you just right click block him and it stops there, come on. You know, it's called just you know live and let live. I agree, but again, I, I can understand why they put something about excessive criticism. You know, going like doing. Ex I get why they put that there, but I do not understand why they put unilaterally reject another person's opinion. Or attempt to exclude someone from the game for like for, for, for compelling a playstyle. I think if you're a healer, you best be healing. And if you're not healing, I'm gonna kick you out. I don't care. Don't tell me you're a DPS healer. Don't tell me you're a, you're a tank healer. Okay, no, that that ain't flying in my party. All right. And you should get kicked for you no. Know, any you should be excluded for doing that. 
I'm I'm curious. Now here's the interesting thing. I know countries or game companies like this use different policies in different countries. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, leaving games is much more tolerated in League of Legends in Korea than uh, yeah. than in North America. So, I wonder if this, this policy uh, is enforced in Europe and Japan or just North America. This uh, current Final Fantasy fourteen policy. Honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it comes down to enforcement because I know, and I'm sure in South Korea as well for League of Legends, and we had a long conversation about you know players leaving games and stuff. I'm pretty sure it's against their policy as well, but it's unenforced in South Korea. Oh, all right. I mean, so I'm curious though. They have to change it for some reason in North America. Yeah, they did. They did. This is the relatively new change because we know it, these these rules did not exist in 2017, which I I think it's pretty silly to have these here, and I think. Um, and I don't think like this is the weird part too. Like it, it's almost insulting to put these here because at any point a GM could just ban someone for like um, breaking their terms of service or their terms of service. They, can, they, they say they can ban you for any reason, right? But by putting these here, it almost does feel insulting to everyone else because nothing changed. Their enforcement ability never changes by changing this and having this as a guideline to say you can't disagree with people unilaterally doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's a little bit of a overreach. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's their game; they can do what they want, but just by, by putting these here, it really. Makes me roll my eyes personally, and I, I love Final Fantasy fourteen. So, as a big fan of the game, it makes me roll my eyes a lot. Oh my goodness, those nacho oh. t- cookies! Oof. We got we got some uh, gift subs going out. It's the first time I've yes. seen that. Those nacho cookies! You are the first one on the mmos.com podcast that have gift done these gift subs. Much appreciated, fan. Much love. And after this podcast, we're gonna get some nacho cookies. All right, I'm not sure what they are, <laughs> but we're gonna go, we're gonna get some to celebrate. All right. Much love. You know. I just learned this feature recently overall on Twitch. Oh, because I realized um, I was subbed to a few channels, right? And mm-hmm. I, ne- I never subbed to any channel, actually. And then I went, I'm like, why am I subbed to these like three? I checked my credit card because I thought like maybe I got hacked. And then mm-hmm. and then someone explained to me that it was a gift sub. Ooh. So that's pretty cool. Now, now here's the real question. Do we get those gift subs for, de- for defending Lolly in the pregame <laughs> for, or for attacking Sensible, uh, people that are too sensitive for the Final Fantasy working thing, all right? <laughs> maybe of, both. Well, someone named Lolly Listens got one of those free subs. So is that a coincidence? Ooh, I don't think so. I think yeah. it makes sense. All right. What else we got? What else we got on the agenda, boys? Uh, well, Black Desert is finally nearing release on Xbox. It took. I, I honestly thought this happened last year, but apparently... Yeah, it's nice and slow. Nice and slow. Uh, March 4th, so... Better late than never, I guess. Uh, Planet yeah. Side got delayed. Planet Side Arena, which mm-hmm. I think it's for one reason, and that's because they don't want to compete with uh, Apex Legends. And they took the odd step of actually refunding everyone who actually pre-ordered it, which is which, which I suspect means they really did not want to compete with Apex Legends. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. You know, there's no reason. I mean, it, it's 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 pretty ridiculous because remember, Planet Side uh, Arena, the new Planet Side game. It's basically just a compartmentalized version of Planetside 2, which is already out, and that's free to play. But this is going to cost money. So why would you want to play a game like Apex Legends that just costs money? It's a buy-to-play game. Now, the one unique part about it, or interesting part, is that it's going to have like a 1,000-player battle royale or something crazy, like 500 players or something. So at least they're pushing the boundary with how many players in a single game. That's really the only innovative part. But beyond that, it really does feel like a, a much less ambitious Planetside 2 because you already had 1,000-player or 2,000-player battles in Planetside 2. So they have the technology for it. And they're going to compartmentalize it into Capture the Flag, Team Deathmatch, and Battle Royale, these different game modes. So we'll see how it works, but I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the buy-to-play model for it, considering their source game. It's a, it's a re-sliced up 
Planet Scythe 2, which is already free to play. Which, like you said, it kind of I bet I bet they're hitting themselves for uh, putting so much work into PS uh, Fantasy Star Online 2. What am I saying? For Planet Side 2, when they mm-hmm. realized all they had to do back then was make a battle royale, which was probably mm-hmm. ten times easier, and it could have been a huge game right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if the, if the thousand player battle royale you know helps differentiate them. You know, there's a few other battle royale games that were in the pipeline. They're going to be like a crazy number of players, but I forget what it's called. There's another one in the pipeline too. But we'll, we'll see how they do. I mean, I do want like the my one criticism. For uh, Apex Legends, I do want to see more players in the game, but I'm starting to realize that might be a, a me problem because uh, a lot of people do like the 60 players. Almost everybody I ask prefer, and they're like, you know what, it's fine. They should keep it 60. They don't want. They don't want to have it too crazy. I think obviously it matters to the map. So, for example, 60 players on, on Kings Canyon, mm-hmm. right? Whatever the map is called. Yeah. In Apex, feels better, more crowded than the 100 player limit in PUBG. PUBG. You know, the or PUBG. Fortnite. Yeah, the PUBG Honestly. map must be like. I'm going to say like five times bigger than uh, the Apex map. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. in, in that regard, 60 makes some sense. Fair. And, uh, well, you know, we had a, another MMORPG go from buy to play to free to play exactly one week ago. Um, Which one? I have actually never played this, but now that it's free, it's got 100 players online. Maybe I'll give it a shot. I'm curious if you've uh, tried this one. It's called Wild Terra, and it looks like Lineage 1, baby. Not really an MMORPG. Yeah, actually, this one is kind of an MMORPG, I think. I thought it was survival, more of a survival game. I'm pretty sure it's more of a survival game than an MMORPG. Uh, and we did, I think we did try this. It just never had a lot of players, so it was very hard to actually play. What's funny is this game actually came out and said, we didn't go free to play out of necessity. We did it as a next step in our evolution as a game. I don't know about that, boys. The game averaged like 30 players online. It seemed like necessity to me. Yeah, right? The, the, the all-time peak players was 300. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's free to play now, so you know we might give it a chance. But it's it, it looks more of um like a Rust style game than a, a traditional MMORPG. It does it does look a lot like uh, Lineage One or um, Legend of Mirror than anything else, though. I mean, I doubt anybody 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 in the in the in the Twitch chat old enough to remember Legend of Mirror. That's an oldie, boys. That's ooh. we played that when I was in seventh grade. I remember. Looks like trash. Just say it, Rage Gamer. You uh you pulled the words right out of our mouth. All right. Though I do like the Legend of Mirror art, like art style to it, though. Yeah. Like, I love the old look. This game has mixed reviews, so it's probably not that great. But I will say a part of me misses this kind of game, you know, uh, graphic style. Definitely. Just play Hell... I don't think we played Hellbirth all the time. That's not the game a lot of people in chat mentioned. You know, you know what game I want to talk about, actually? Guns the freaking Duel. I know we watched an amazing Guns video. Uh, recently, maybe we'll talk about it in the post game though. That's a post game thing. Guns a duel. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it in the post game. Uh, anything else to cover here? Uh, one minor one we can talk about before we get to the post game. I think um, a big big news this week is that we're going to be hearing from Google at GDC in March. And Google has been apparently investing a lot into uh, the streaming technology for gaming. I mean, they have a big announcement coming at GDC. Everyone's kind of speculating it's going to be related to their um, being able to stream games through Chrome. They did like a beta test before, I think, with Witcher. So I think Google is going ham on that gaming streaming technology. We've seen it on live. We've seen a lot of companies try doing this. And no one's really managed to capture it yet really well. But if you want to learn more about the technology, I know Linus Tech Tips had a video on uh, that streaming tech. So there's something out there. I remember playing Witcher 2 or 3, 2, I think, back in the day on one of those technologies. It worked, but never really caught on because of latency issues. But maybe Google will fix that shit. But... We'll I am not March. optimistic on that. I've been hearing about, and I know we got a fan who watches often. 
he is a huge believer, proponent of the streaming stuff. Mm-hmm. But I am cloud gaming. Yeah, I am not optimistic on cloud gaming anytime soon. I think the average person has uh, a router that's like ten years old in their basement, on top of a stack of books and a bookshelf in a corner, right next to the freaking hot water heater, uh, and because, and then they're trying to play a game on their second floor uh, apartment right, or bedroom. Mm-hmm. So the average setup. Uh, it just it's not conducive for no. uh, streaming gaming. So people I am, already playing. Uh, people are playing on Wi-Fi, you know, in their homes already, which is already not optimal. I mean, yeah. the first thing I tell people, like, are you on Wi-Fi when they say they're lagging? I'm like, like yeah. They, they usually say yes. You have to be unwired, right? Not just that. They have their freaking router in the basement, like through. So it has to go through through two floors of uh, crap. Like it just it just yeah. baffles my mind that people uh, live like that. I don't I don't I don't get it. Like. Savages. Savages, really. You know, it's like uncultured swine. <laughs> it's a shit. I bet they're running on on, on what eight oh two point eleven G. Not even they even upgrade to N yet. What's wrong with them? It's like not having a, a toilet in your house. You know, like it's like shitting in the corner and then like putting you know and burying it in, in, in sand. You heard you heard it here first, boys. Having your router in the basement is equivalent to shitting in the corner and burying it in sand. All right. <laughs> uh speaking Thank of uh much. stupidity. We got a, I got a little fun story here. So there was a, a VR game that came out last year uh, called Apex Construct. Okay. And sales of Apex Construct, a VR game from, on Steam, went up 4,000% after the release of Apex Legends. Because a, bu- a bunch of dummies thought they were buying Apex Legends. <laughs> and these are the two logos side by side. Uh, I guess That's a little. I, I can see some of the similarities. A little bit. A little bit. Um. I just I'm just amazed at stories like this, you know. How, nice, yeah. I I think this game costs like thirty bucks too. So, Good for them. Good for Apex Construct. All right. Talk about winning the lottery, you know. <laughs> talk about dumb luck. Like imagine you make a game, you know, a few people buy it. A year later, all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> I like it. They can't ask for a refund, you're right? But I feel like some people out there might be too ashamed to ask for a refund. And honestly, they should they should they shouldn't give refunds. If you're that much of a baka, you should take it. Yeah, I agree. Just accept I, your loss. You I've, know? No, I've noticed that on TV, for example, you have a lot of scam products, uh, infomercials, and they always say, you know, refund, you know, guaranteed, whatever, right? Because I think they know that a lot of people just will not do a refund. They'll just say, "Oops, I messed up," and then just move on. Like, "Oh, this is garbage." They'll throw it away, and then they'll just not get the refund. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this this company is going to be very happy with their windfall. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Besides that, we oh, that's a good story. So, Blacklight Retribution Mart is finally shutting down. What do you think of that? Uh, I honestly forgot the game existed until you mentioned it. And I played that game a decent amount too. I mean, I think I, have, I think it was on Steam for a it while. It was. It was on I've Steam for a while. Yeah. This was one, this was a, a free to play lobby shooter by Perfect World, published by Perfect World. It had uh, a moment in the sun. It was a. Uh, it was better looking when it came out than a lot of the Korean trash that came before it. I will say that. Like for example, it, it looked a lot better than Combat Arms. Mm-hmm. Um, it had its moment in the sun, but obviously that moment has passed. We have a lot of much better free to play shooters now, like Apex Legends. Uh, so I think a lot of these games will eventually uh, follow Blacklight into the sunset. I mean, the really different part about uh, Blacklight was like it had a feature where, like, at a certain like, if you once you fill up your meter, you can like see through walls. So I think every character had ability that like every like when the cooldown ran out, you had a wall hack. So it's pretty cool. It's like wall hack was built into the game, but you can only use it like momentarily, which is kind of cool. They did a lot of little things different than other shooters, and that's why I guess it lasted such a long time. But uh, 
I'm not surprised it's shutting down. It's been spinning out for a while. I've been losing players nonstop, and it's done so now. Yeah, uh, a few weeks ago we lost Dirty Bomb, and so yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think the whole this whole free to play lobby shooter, which was inspired by those early Korean uh, games, Combat Arms and whatnot. Yeah, ABA uh, Combat yeah. Arms. I feel like that entire uh, segment is on the way out. Um, it was a brief moment they shined, and that's it. I'll tell you, ABA Dog Tag has no chance. They're I don't get it. The guys that made Alliance of Valiant Arms think they can just relaunch this game like fucking years later and people are going to play this. Ain't nobody playing AVA Dog Tag. Like, uh, Red Duck, what are you doing? So this game is relaunching through their own developer, Red Duck, who's gonna, who is funneling money to ESL to run esports events for Alliance of Valiant Arms. Yeah, that one that was on EG like 10 years ago. And the one that you know shut down and then, and then Air Area Games picked it up. And Area Games like, we don't want this shit. We're shutting it down. And then in mass picked it up. The guys behind Terra, they picked it up. They put on the in mass launcher for like a year, and they shut it down because nobody wants to play this shit. And now Red Dog is like, "You guys don't understand. This game is fucking amazing. We're gonna publish it ourselves, and everyone's gonna play it. We'll show you. We'll show you." And then they're, they're, they're putting money to esports by paying ESL to run some tournaments for this game. But no, the problem isn't esports. The problem is this game was fun back like in the Combat Arms days when this was like a Combat Arms alternative. But now I can play Counter Strike Go for free. Fuck that. No one's gonna play these. These Korean shooters are done uh, honestly, Black Squad is infinitely better than Combat Arms as well. There's so many better free-to-play shooters now. Iron Sight. Um, Iron Sight. There's no chance for these games anymore. None. Zero. Zilch. Indeed. And if they if they make look, if Alliance of Valiant Arms becomes like the next big esport and it's got over a hundred thousand concurrent players, ain't gonna happen. But I'll I'll donate a thousand bucks to some random ass charity. All right, it ain't gonna happen though. Uh, you'll donate a thousand dollars to a tournament for. Yes, I will sponsor a thousand dollar tournament for Alliance of Valiant Arms if they maintain a hundred thousand average concurrent player base for any month. There you go, boys. That's, that's, there you uh, go, boys. That's the MOS.com commitment. All right. Well, with that amazing promise, we will move on to the post game. Let's do it. I won't talk about guns. All right. <laughs> Take care, guys. Post game. Take care for YouTube.